Yeah. I'm going to get rid of mine too because that's coming through nice and loud, <coughs> loud and clear. <coughs> Nah, it's all right. We always edit the first bit out. Yep. All right. Welcome again, David. Oh, uh, thank you, Michael. <laughs> another episode of The Last Light. Very good. Um, this is an interesting one and I'm a little bit excited to share this story or, and have you tell it because it's a little bit historic and I don't think it would ever probably be repeated again, at least at least this what will potentially be the first part yeah, no, uh, absolutely, and uh, you were probably too young, you were 14, uh, to actually even be aware of uh, where I went, what we did, because at 14, 15, you're not really interested anyway. <laughs> well, not to, not to this extent, I suppose, nah. but so today we're talking about buffalo culling in New Guinea, Sepik River region, and uh, the year was 1994. Yep, sure was. Uh, it was a uh, epic adventure. That's pretty well sums it all up. Although there's a little bit more to it. Uh, very brief backstory. A lot of the stuff that I've done has been accidental. Hasn't been calculated. Just happened, and probably because you were just yourself. And the greatest advice you could give to anybody is just always be yourself. Uh, I was on Melville Island on an exploratory hunt the year before, or maybe two years before with Mick McCormick. Uh, went to hunt a buffalo with a bow and arrow, ended up shooting one with a gun. And Mick, who had been taking out international hunters forever, uh, he went to cape the buffalo out and I said, no, I do that. And then he went to carry it and I said, no, I do that. You shoot it, you carry it. And I hoisted this buffalo up with his help and then took about four steps forward and face-planted into the dirt and probably resembled a dung beetle, you know, big black back, buffalo skin with little arms and legs going everywhere. Uh, Mick hoisted me up again and I said to Mick, you walk directly in front. I can only see the heels of your boots. And I will follow because my head was bent straight down and I went non-stop for about a kilometre and a half with this buffalo head and cape on me back, got to the truck, dropped it off and could not lift it again. So what, what capacity were you up there with? Oh, just I uh, used to keep me eye out on exploratory hunts because one, you only shared costs and you actually went further and further because you were looking for Anything and everything. You didn't know even where you were going. So you actually had the greatest uh, adventure because you were all kind of buds, you know, although you were a client, but you were just buds. And with no great guy from Melbourne, uh, Donnie Borthwick, he was like a human hulk. Uh, that grand in stature that we got stuck on a washout. Uh, he goes, get a log. So I went and got us what he called a stick, and come back. He went and got a log. He shoved it under the front of that Toyota, put his shoulder under it, bent his knees and stood up and Mick drove off. <laughs> now that's, that's serious. 
Serious. So, so anyway. The, the exploratory hunt. So yep. it, it, it was advertised as such? Or how did you no, find no, it? No, 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 no. Just through word of mouth. Uh, Gore Norford is uh, long gone now. He was, I uh, called him the, uh, ultimately was known as the father of Australian deer. Gore Norford was the father of international hunting in Australia, right? Highly respected man. And uh, it was a mover and shaker with Safari Club in the old days. And he hunted everywhere. So he was... Yeah, and he rang and said, Mick's doing this exploratory hunt. So I rang Mick, da-da-da-da-da, and away we went. So right, okay. basically, right, when I got back to the truck, Mickey goes, matey, you know, he goes, we're going to do a lot of hunting. And I never thought anything about it. Yeah, it was right. a nice, okay. nice polite thing to say. Yep, yep. And so he... So yeah. a week later, <laughs> a week awesome. later, I get a phone call. Ben Melbourne, catch his plane to Cairns. So, go to Cairns, we're going to New Guinea. Uh, whoa, yeah, okay, rightio. And all I could think of was my father who spent time in New Guinea in the Second World War. And so, we meet up with mm, probably six or seven Americans and uh, there was one wife and uh, met them in Cairns, stayed in a flash place and uh, from there we flew in two small chartered flights uh, to New Guinea to Weewak and stayed at the Weewak International, where, which where? was not that flash. <laughs> All right. Just for a bit of geography, where whereabouts is that situated? Ne- Weewak is on the northern coast of New Guinea. Yep. So you don't go into Moresby or nothing. You go straight across the other side over the Owen Stanleys and drop in there. And then those planes uh, stayed at... We whack with us, right, basically. And as a bit extra, uh, Mick was told by uh, officials that if something goes wrong, you get on them planes and you vanish back to Australia very quickly. So if, the, if security, they, the planes stay there for security reasons. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That if something was, you know, went to custard, you're out. Go now because you'll get chopped up and cooked in banana leaves. Would, uh, Possibly not. Wasn't, it's not that close to the Indo border, though, is it? Uh, it's a fair Coast way from Irian Jaya border, mm. yeah. But it's just all because, like, you know, up there is a lot of what they call bad boys. Now, to me, a bad boy in Stratford in Victoria is somebody who pinches your bike and you find it down the river, <laughs> right? But a bad boy up there is a totally different oh. kettle of fish. Yeah. And at that stage... Uh, payback was rampant, right? So if you muck around with me, like, so, okay, so what it be like in uh, Scotland, you know, if the McDonald's were giving the McKenzie's a hard time, well, look out, we're coming, you know. So if you, you know, mucked around with one clan or whatever, well, you know, they're going to come over there, you know, next clan will come and get you and burn you out. You know, or whatever. What 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 a what a mix. When the, the phone call from from Mick, right. what was the? He give you a brief. Ah, what was? No, no, not really. No, no, really. Just be there, but uh, bring some knives yep. and basically because uh, the deal was that there was a lady in Weewak. She owned a restaurant and was obviously influential in uh, the Weewak town or city town. Uh, and she had organised this one, you know, there's always, you know, she would get 
you know, this you know, week full of serious bookings and the hotel as you get, you know, a bit back and all this type of stuff. Mm. So she had organised that. So when we arrived, uh, we went to her restaurant, you know, two-storey Timberthing right in the bay, uh, met her and I distinctly remember because I was a lackey, I was a Skinner boy, and the so everybody had gone up to the uh, to, to the restaurant part, and so I was tagging along behind, and at the bottom of the stairs was two men, local guys, and one had a and Mickey and the rest are just kind of like burr, 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 straight up the stairs, and so I look at this guy and I go, "Hey, you going, mate? You know, like oh, David, and he goes, I'm policeman Tom." Hey, Tom, how you going? Blah, blah, blah. I look after you. Oh, radio, cool. You know? Anyway, it's yakking him. There was another guy standing there, right? And everybody ignored him and just kind of marched up. And they they, they introduced himself to the other fellow. I can't remember his name. And he goes, I'm DPI. I'm here to make sure everything goes well. Right. So these are the key guys. <laughs> yeah. One is the copper who was from a different village, yep. right? Because no good having the copper who grows up in Stratford, living in Stratford because he knows too many people. So they they just bring police from different places, yeah. right, so that uh, they can't attack their families and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, so I race upstairs. I go, Mick, 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 you've got to get down here now, you know, and talk to these guys. These are our keepers. These guys are our keepers. So Mick come down and blah, 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 and it was all good. So... Uh, and then, you know, uh, everybody settled down. We went to the WeWack International, uh, which was kind of like maybe a third class, second class, first, uh, seventh class motel in somewhere out back Queensland or New South Wales. Not to be derogative to those motels out in Queensland. So, <laughs> what, what was the what was the issue with the Buffalo? How did, oh, how, okay. how did it get to right to, now to the, to before the Independence, which was early seventies, I think. Out on the East Seapick was where we went because like it was about three and a half hour drive, four wheel drive, red clay tracks, washed out, slippery as anything, and you went through X amount of serious jungle, and all of a sudden you ended up on the Seapick River, which was like a big giant snake that worked way through all these flatlands, which had you know grasses like ten feet tall and all that type of stuff. So at, before independence, there was a big cattle station there, either owned by, you know, Australians or whatever, whoever, right? And they brought buffalo into uh, WeeWak, right, into the seeping, right, and farmed them or whatever. And so what had happened when independence, you know, boom, and everything was handed back, uh, that station basically just fell into disrepair and all that type of stuff. And even the big station house itself, uh, when we were there, was fallen down, covered in vines and jungle and stuff like that. And years ago I did a thing with ABC on the radio talking about that and a guy rang who had actually worked at that station and was very interested to know what it was like yeah, right. in the present day. And yeah. I said, well, uh, yeah, you don't even know it's there because it's just all fallen down. So what then happened was that uh, television came to those places, right, way out the back. So, and on television, the locals had possibly watched 
too many docos about <laughs> Africa and not realise that Cape Buffalo are not water buffalo. Uh, they're just buffalo to everybody. But those buffaloes were being chased by lions. So they, and this guy told me, you know, this, uh, Lucas was his name, he told me uh, that the buffalo must go because they were terrified that the lions will follow okay. And you go, well, it's a fair swim for them. But anyway. Uh, the logic's there. That's true. True. So, but all those things are real, absolutely super real to them people. No different. A uh, little bit of you know, distraction there, but no different to them offering their sister-in-laws or their sisters because, oh, David, David, you're, you're lonely at night. And they go, no, no. <laughs> and so he expects if he comes and visits me that I've got to hustle up my sister-in-law and go, hey, you, you've got to pull a favour in. <laughs> anyway, so, but that's, that's the game. And no different when we'd be driving out, because that Tom was with me most of the time, and we'd be going out and we'd have drivers and these Hiluxes and whatnot, and we'd go out and Tom would go, oh, see that smoke, David. And I go, yeah, yeah, and he goes, payback, payback, you know. So every day you'd see smoke where, you know, somebody gone back and someone's gonna get messed up, burn a village, you know, to go, away, you know, you're mucking around with so, my family. How did Mick get caught up with, or how did they contact him? Uh well, he was, you know, well known, you know, in America and whatnot, and he ran a big, big show uh, that was well organised and whatnot. So who knows? Yeah. But this Margaret Mary, oh well, Margaret. Well, Mary's white woman or whatever, that's what they yeah. you know, call it. So whatever her surname was, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, that's how that went. She got in touch with him and away it went from there. So was it going to be a, a all-out culling operation or the Americans you picked up, was it a guiding with unlimited buffalo? But basically, from what I could undertake was that, yeah, it was an all-out cull, shoot as many as you can. Right. So. It had the uh, ability to sell an adventure with pretty well unlimited uh, you know, animals. Right. Uh, and the hard chore was that one native us had been there and how do you go? And my role was just to – because we had to recover all the meat. Yeah. Right? And then that would be distributed – Back into Weewak, then it'll be distributed. However, allegedly, you know, it went back to one guy who then sold it, you know, as much <laughs> as he could to everybody, to everybody else. So when we found out that we only were there five or six days, uh, that that was happening, we would, you know, call into villages and drop back legs off and back straps and whatever we could. So at your discretion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was. Super hard yakka. It was super, super hot, humid, and all that type of stuff. And you're in a world that was so, 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 so foreign. You know. How, how, do you remember how you got the guns in? Was there? Oh yeah, check? yeah, yeah. Well, when we came in, we must have gone to Daru because that was that's on the southern side. And yeah, so we must have come into Daru, and from Cairns to Daru because that's the closest one because those little planes wouldn't get over to Weewak. And the customs there are just a little kind of shared and they were extraordinarily thorough and the only uh, 
concern I had and was pretty comical. Uh, there was a guy there, Joe Bullock from California. He had with him a prototype arrow gun, right? So, you know, just the arrow was discharged using a ram set cap to get the, the, the oomph behind it. And this custom guy grilled Mick and grilled Mick and grilled Mick. And Mick, you know, was pretty sharp. He got me to get my – because I'd taken me bow with me because from there there was an add-on down to Ben's back. So uh, he, he goes, mate, get your bow, get your bow, you know. So I got me bow, which is an old bear grizzly. So I'm kind of showing this custom guy my bow, mixed making all this other stuff up in between and convinced the guy, <laughs> the custom guy, that this arrow gun was actually a bow. I don't know how he done. I don't know how he got away with it. You know that. Yeah. You know, what's the difference? This fires an arrow. That fires an arrow. But it kind of looks like a, you know, AK forty seven. You know, like it was funny as anything. So just, the, just the, that arrow gun. It's different to the air powered ones. It had the the blank that went into one barrel, and then the arrow slid b- between uh, two tubes, didn't it? Like there was an inner tube, the arrow shaft. Slid well, I over, guess so. It was, and then an outer tube that kind of. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Slid over a piece and then slid over basically where the ram set would go bang and just shoot it out. And the problem that Joe had and his cohorts who kind of put it together was that it kept blowing the broadheads off because it (laughs) should go off that fast. But that was like, that was in 94 and now you can buy them kind of commercially. But he, you know, sat down with some mates in the bar one night and, well, we should have a gun that can fire an arrow. So anyway... So pretty, pretty neat. And so that, but with the guns, uh, they counted every shell, every, you know, every cartridge, and that the deal was they had to be, you know, every cartridge had to be uh, accounted for. So when you come back through. Yeah, know, well, how are you going to do that if you're kind of blatting them off in the jungle and kind of, you know. So yeah. anyway, we got around that somehow. Mick got around it and da 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 So that wasn't a, an issue, but... Well, the big issue was that it was all soft bags. Your rifles had to be in soft bags because there's not enough room in them little cigar planes. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then uh, one guy brought a big aluminium box for his, you know, special gun, which took up all the passage. So, you know, and that was norm. And the oil, you mean? Yeah, the oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know, anyway. Anyway, because I was just, it was just like, oh, you know, sitting in a big fat cigar and, you know, hanging over. Anyway. Uh, one or two seats either side. I think it was only one each one side, yeah, you sure. know, so there wasn't, wasn't nothing flash, yeah. you know. Uh, so anyway, that was, and we just followed. It was great because you follow just on the coastline, you're looking at the reef all the way. It was pretty, pretty damn incredible, you know, for a uh, non-jet starring person, you know. So, uh, yeah, and anyway, so, yeah, then we head out. Uh, next day and go into kind of thing and when we get out there, you know, Mick says to me, oh, mate, you take these, you know, three or four or whatever and I'll take these other ones. I didn't have a clue. <laughs> nothing. I didn't know nothing. In the Zero. Deep end. Anyway, so, but if you respect where you are and respect the people, uh, that's where your asset is. So, yeah. Uh, I met lots of great guys, you know, and you, you know, you, like we were on a track just walking one day amongst all this, you know, big grass and whatnot. Vehicle and track or single track? 
yeah, he's a single book track. And yeah, I right. bang, run this guy and I go, you know, hey guy, I go, my name's David. And he goes, my name's William. I go, what? What? Why isn't it kind of like some word I can't pronounce? So you just kind of have great stuff and they're very, uh, uh, the missionary influence is obvious because, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of names associated with saints and religion yeah, and yeah. stuff like that, you know, Gabriel, you go, what? Say what? Uh, so anyway, uh, and then away kind of he went, you know. And so, then so we mix, mix, like you take these three guys, go that way, and he went the other way. Yep. See you, see you here later. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. What's the terrain like? Uh, r- undulating uh, hills filled with impenetrable, unseeable in jungle and what once were probably big uh, rolling open plains and stuff like that. And I don't know, Mick and that, they headed off one place that like the, the grass and that was like 10, 15 foot tall and they're going following pads and in tunnels like and then up at wallows with buffalo in them and shooting them like off the hip. <laughs> One of the American guys, he goes, God damn it, he goes, never seen nothing like that. That was the most exciting thing I've ever done oh, in my life. No. You know? Point black range. Yeah, right. Boom, you know, and hopefully they go the other way. So, and they, they went into villages that, uh, which is probably a bit disrespectful that they shouldn't have gone into because, the, you know, the locals would go, no, 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 we can't go in here. This is, you know, not our country yeah, and okay. all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, stuff like that. And then with me, you know, we'd get tips off William, you know, and go, oh, there's buffalo over there or whatever. And, you know, every morning and evening we'd go drop into these different villages so they were uh, seriously aware of us. And, uh, yeah, one in particular, then we got got a call and so I took, yeah, there was I had a Hilux and a driver and it was, I think, three or four and I go, right, we got to go down here. We go way down this, you know, this steep kind of like goat track, red clay, all that type of stuff, down the other side, up through this other stuff and we poke out and there's these buffalo in this little clear basin all just quietly feeding and I said to the guys, okay, right, 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 right. How far? How far? Yeah, oh, hundred metres. Yeah, you know, maybe two hundred, but not that far. And I go right now. Nobody shoot until I go three. So they all lay down there and see one guy, and he was a you know, yeah, he's a good guy, but he's just greedy. Anyway, as soon as he lay down, before I even got to half, <laughs> boom, right. So it's like World War Three, boom, 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 and I had a three uh, three hundred Weatherby or something like that for an old mic. And boom, 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 and kind of keeping it just shells going everywhere, and buffalo going everywhere. And I had me team of recoverers. Anyway, so when the smoke cleared, you know, and the shells were spent, you know, there, there wasn't a buffalo there. There was nothing. There was nothing and died. You know, there was just, just smoke and cordite in the air. And I, I just, just see it distinctly, and I go, right. And at that stage, I was 38 and I've often said to people, you think you're fit now where you're not until you're between 38 and 45. That's when you're Maximus. Maximus, you know. So anyway, so I grabbed this guy who was a murderer, by the way. Anyway, anyway, I go, right, come here, go. And we jogged up over hills. A local fella. Pardon? A local fella. Yeah, a local fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had murderers and rapists and whatnot just... 
no, no pro- pro- problem, you know. Anyway, so this guy, he was a, he was a seriously tough-looking guy. You know? Anyway, so yeah, come and meet. And we jogged. And we jogged over this rise and that rise and that rise. And eventually we found a couple of little bit, you know, poor old buffalo that's kind of staggering around a bit and boom, bam, and all that type of stuff. And then, because everybody's there to help and there's no kind of hierarchy until, until you give something like a rifle to, for a guy to carry, all of a sudden he's the man <laughs> and he's got then all these slaves, you know, and you go, what, what are you doing? You know, like anyway, and he became instantly arrogant and a tough guy. Anyway, I'm kind of going, what, you know, like, come on, we've got to cut these things up and we've got to pole them back, find some poles and stuff like that. So, you know, we cut them up and then, and I jogged with one guy all the way back to that truck, all the way down the hill, up the hill, up the other side, blah, 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 with a pole, with buffalo legs and shit swinging off it, right, all the way back. And I get back and all the Americans had already wandered off, right, so they'd all disappeared. And I get back and the... The Hilux is idling, right, with the aircon on and they're all sitting there and there and I come out of the bush and jungle and scrub and whatnot, jogging with the things and I get to the back of it and I go, what? Right? And one of them wipes the window down and goes, do you want a cold drink? And I looked at him, yeah, and they're kind of like got beads of ice on their foreheads, you know. <laughs> so I just threw the legs in, she'll be right, and I just turned around and I jogged all the way back, down and up, 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 and got another load. Let's go. When I got back, the guy I'd given a rifle to, he's kind of like doing nothing. So I walked over to him, took a rifle off his shoulder and gave it to the guy who had jogged with me all the way back. <laughs> so I changed the dynamic. Anyway, oh, it was just wildly insane. How, and many, then, how many porters or helpers or... Oh, but per day, there was a dynamic increase. We started off, I think, with three. And then on the third or fourth day, there was a tojo there and you couldn't put any more people on. (laughs) (laughs) Impossible. Like, I mean, just, I go, what? They followed us out and there's like, I know, look like I got a picture. There's like, no, count the heads. There's like 20 of them on there, you know. Just, oh, it was funny as anything. But, uh, and then... Uh, another distinct one, old Mickey, you know, he caught up and he goes, matey, 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 it's over there. So we all go over there and the same thing, it's kind of like, you know, ambush at the OK Corral, whatever, everybody lines up and boom, 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 boom. And they just smoke and there's a few of them are falling over and all that type of stuff. So I kind of cracked one as it said and in a wounded one. And anyway, not being a big rifle shooter, right, and I go, oh, that hurt. That's so hurt, you know. So... And I don't know really why they put rubber covers on the end of scopes because it does nothing, right? So I kind of like moon myself between the forehead. There's claret kind of dripping everywhere. And anyway, when Mick got at me, he goes, how many shots did you fire, Crockett? And I go, just a couple. And he goes, I could tell you fired at least one boy. (laughs) (laughs) Smoke me. Anyway, so go down, right, and it's one I go, wounded one is in there, right? Now, now, you know, you were – Everybody's been in thick scrub, but there's nothing thicker than than that New Guinea jungle because you go, you cannot see five metres. It's just black in there, right? And you couldn't even see a buffalo. I went in after one 
Fucker! I can't see nothing! Zero! Next minute, Mick had kind of poked in there and he, you know, boom! You know, this thing was there. But anyway, like, so we find it, follow this other buffalo that had gone in just on the edge, right? So I walked down with these guys, two of them, I go up, and there's the buffalo. I think it's dead. Anyway, only like two, three feet from it, and it just goes to launch itself up. And I had this 300, and I just off the hip at point black, boom, in front of the, right in front of its noggin. And as I, the only thing I can compare it to is on a film called Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, <laughs> when the guy loses the card game to the mob. And it's kind of like the shockwave when he realises he's lost and he owes the mob is kind of waving through his body. You know, how they did it was very good. That's exactly what I had. I had this huge shockwave just come back from this buffalo head and it just went through every muscle and cell. I mean, I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Got a little bit giddy and did not let the Americans know that I really was not in a good, good way. Yeah, and then... You know, in you're getting there and your knives and whatnot. So, you know, you got me lads and hacking it up and all that type of stuff. And at one stage I was going out the back legs and I grabbed his tail and the knife and I don't know why, but swiped the tail off and straight into my shin, right, and just, like, planted it into my shin. Anyway, anyway, so there's claret going everywhere and I open it up and you see bone. Oh, and I go, you know, apart from not good. Uh, so I go to this guy who was the murderer fella. Okay, go and get me first aid kit. So he disappears in the bush and comes back. Yeah, I'll get me pack, I said. So he comes back with my first aid kit, which means that he had ratted through my pack <laughs> to find the first aid kit. Anyway, anyway, you know, tape yourself up and you know, just kind of like, yeah, yeah, frown a bit for a bit and then get on with it and just keep going. But what was the amazing thing, I had one of them Legionnaires hat, like a, the old Japanese soldiers used to wear, you know, the little flag down, like French Legionnaires thing, right? Khaki shorts, khaki shirt, right? And so I wrapped up and I, and I was always covered in mud and blood, right? And so anyway, so in each day when we'd go back, I would lay on the back of the truck all the way back, you know, amongst the legs and the stuff and the shirt and whatnot, you know, and just kind of like roll along. It was very comfortable because you got all this meat just quietly moving <laughs> under you, it's you know. Because everybody here be in the in the truck in the aircon, <laughs> so I'd be on the back with the local boys, right? And for some reason, you know, I'd never. I don't know what the drivers were thinking, but it was like the worst driving, dangerous stuff you could see on them YouTube things about dangerous tracks in the world. And they're fanging along like, and you come around a corner and there's a bus with about 75 people on it, right, hanging out everywhere and you miss it by nothing, zero, whoop, you know. So one day I'm hanging over from the back of the Toyota, banging on the thing. And anyway, you know, you know twine your window down, wind your window down, driver, and he pokes his head out and I go, slow down, slow down, slow down. So he slowed down a bit. And within minutes, you know, he's kind of fanging it, throwing around. I'm just kind of like I'm on a big jelly on the back, you know, just rolling around. Anyway, bang on it again, you know, and he wouldn't slow down, bang on it again. And then I did the indication of the finger across the throat and he backed <laughs> right off. But he went that slow. <laughs> he was doing about five kilometres an hour ago. We're never going to get there. But it was like seriously terrifying, especially when you're up and down, you know, those uh, – 
slippery tracks and big washouts and all that. No, no, no room for error. But anyway, uh, but it was pretty funny. But every day, you know, laying on all this meat and whatnot and then pulling up and, you know, little, little right, right, uh, you know, roadside, you know, like stalls and whatnot and they sell coconuts and whatnot and you just pull up and grab a coconut, grab something else or whatever and, you know, top, top off the coconut and have a drink and away you go. And, and that type of stuff was insanely uh, amazing that you connect and, you know, one village we went to and this Norman who, who was from Philadelphia, he was a huge guy, powerful man and he, you know, world record, power lifter and all that type of stuff. And we got him very well. And he's standing with his villagers, you know, and he's like uh, mm, Gulliver, you know, with all the little little people, that, wherever they were from, you know, and Gulliver the Giant. Yeah, you know? I, I yeah, 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 yeah. And he's just like, and they just, whoop, they go to him like bees around a honeypot, you know. It was amazing. So there was a lot of great cultural stuff there. And, and I think in those five days or something, I only shot like 48 buffalo because it wasn't like just driving around. You couldn't drive around. You could get to a spot and then go searching. Uh, but it was action-packed and and full on because it didn't stop. And when I say didn't stop, like they could take a cape and a set of horns and what we didn't see any big bulls like you'd see in the territory or anything like that. And so, you know, the guys would go, Yeah, I'll take this cape or whatever. And so I'd you know, you get back and but hey, I'll read back for a bit. When I chomped myself, right? And so we go back in and one bloke said I looked like a Japanese prisoner had only realised, Japanese soldier only realised that the war had just finished, you know, like 40 years later. Came out of the jungle. Because I was just red and dirt, red and black with mud and blood and stuff like that. So we pulled up and then we whacked most of the shops and that were, you know, you know uh, uh, securityed up, you know, timbers and all that type of stuff and louvers. Anyway, so we go to this chemist, right? Anyway... So she just shut. She pulled the shutters down and I pull up and I hobble off, you know. <laughs> I remember, you know, Chinese lady, I'm kind of banging on the door and she pokes her head out, you know, go, go away, go away. And I kind of, you know, got me a lead in a position where she could see it and she opened up and give me some stuff and whatnot. And anyway, I'm going to go back to the hotel. Uh, this, <laughs> this American guy I shared a room with, he goes, oh, I've got some stuff for you. So that, that'll fix it because most of those guys carry, you know, a full-on medical kit. Anyway, so in a room, all right, and lift me your leg up, right? <laughs> and I say to him, does it sting? And he hurt. And he goes, no, 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 only, only for a microbe, you know? So he pours, I think it's Bened- Benedine, yeah. right, that brown, purpley stuff. And I go, oh, that doesn't really hurt. And then it got in there, oh, just, man, I was sort of hanging off the fan in the, in the <laughs> room, you know. Anyway, uh, what was amazing, though, the local doctor banged on my door. So he come in, because down here in the south, I remember Dad, if he had a few scabs and injuries or wounds, he'd go for a swim in the surf. Yeah. Salt fixes it up. Yeah. Anyway, so this doctor come around, and I go, oh, I was just about to go down to the beach and have a bit of a swim. No, 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 he goes, no, no, he goes, the coral polyps and the raw sewage will not be good. <laughs> oh, so anyway, so yeah, he had a bit of a look and all that type of stuff. So it didn't get infected. It, it, hmm? it didn't get infected. No, 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 not at all, not at all. But I got me back. 
yeah, uh, to this American guy. I got him back, uh, you know, down at Ben's back. So, uh, but yeah, it was cool. And then, like these American guys, another classic bit was uh, they go, any souvenirs? You know, and I go, I don't know, because like I'm not the tourist guide or nothing. And so anyway, so I go out and I say to this Tom and this other guy, I go, hey, man, you know, like anybody got things to sell? Biggest regret of my life, the next day, next <laughs> afternoon when we got back, there's probably half a dozen ladies out of back with woven stuff and carvings and stuff like that. And then the following day, there's twice as many. On the third night, you, you know, you had to book space, you know. That was just <laughs> everywhere. But what was interesting, uh, at that stage, I'd made them little deer badges with all yep. the species of deer. We little badge, you know. Anyway, I was swapping that stuff for those carvings. Masks. Yeah, for masks. Yeah. But they were, but some of the masks, I didn't get it, were seriously old, old, old stuff. And if they're in somewhere now, they'd be three or four grand, you know. And they were there. Yeah. They were there. And I yeah. didn't twig because, one, I probably didn't have the money anyway, but uh, it was insane. But they had these, if anybody's ever seen the old uh, New Guinea pictures where the locals, had, you know, the men, they have a, uh, I don't know, it's called a penis cover or something like that. It's said a bamboo, whatever, and the older you are and the further you are up in standing in the community or as a warrior or whatever, the bigger the piece of bamboo over your willy, right? So it sticks way, way up. So you kind of, when you think about it, if you're going to attack a tribe and, you know, and they're kind of running towards you with, you know, four-foot slongs where you kind of retreat, aren't you? <laughs> really? have to tie it up around their... Like, oh, yeah, you have a bit of a loop going yeah. around their neck, you know, to keep her under control. <laughs> anyway, so... So I go out the back there this day and talk to these ladies and I'm going, what are these things, you know, and they're woven, you know, and they're just smiling and grinning. And anyway, I keep kind of passing and passing and passing and they eventually told me that they were, you know, peony covers and I felt so embarrassed, you know. And I go, yeah, well, a pretty rough-looking condom, no matter what you use it for. Anyway, but it was insane. And then, like, getting back to, you know, nut. And, I averaged 20 hours a day. My longest day was 23 hours and 40 minutes. That doesn't seem an exaggeration, but it's not. And that I didn't want to miss one bit of it. Yeah. Not one bit. It was so full on. Uh, I didn't want to miss a single, you know, moment of it. And, and like, so when you come back, I'd be caping these buffalo out and, you know, at the edge of the hotel – Right, just in poor light, so I'd be doing that and I'd have uh, a, a ring of people I could see in the first direct light and then probably another four rows that I couldn't see. Yeah. You know, and and I'd, I'd talk to them and go like, so what do you do or whatever and even about, you know, I'm going to go, hey, you're rapist, you know. And I go, well, what for? And he goes, oh, and this is what he said, fact. You know, he goes, well, you're in the jungle, you're walking along, because you see a girl and you get the feeling, you know. Just get the feeling. And you go, whoa, that's it. Just get a feeling, you know. So you got to deal with it or oh, whatever. <laughs> so, the, 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 remember you telling me what the, the church, the church issue with that because they'd go to church on Sunday. You're forgiven. And they were forgiven. Absolutely. And then start again on Monday. I started going again. Why not? If, if, if you're forgiven, why not? Who cares? Anyway, so... 
pretty <coughs> me, amazing. Uh, and so you got these people who seriously done bad stuff. But, but the other thing was, wherever you went, there was somebody, no matter where you went. And even like on the last night, they, uh, policeman Tom said to me, was sitting there, and this was two o'clock in the morning. And he goes, see that lady? He goes, she wanted to have sex with you. You know, and I go, hmm, okay, radio, how do you get out of this one? You know, and so I beckoned her in, and she sat beside me because I thought well, that would be the kindest gesture I could do. And in that half an hour, we're sitting there, you know, with Tom and his other guys talking, you know, she touched the edge of my knee, which was like, yeah, you go, whoa, you know, a bit close. Uh, but it was pretty cool not to just dismiss and be respective of the whole gig. And and even, like, as Tom goes, oh, just go to the bush, you know, the jungle or down the beach. But wherever you go, there's somebody looking. <laughs> there you go. How are you going to get away with this, you know? Anyway. Anyway, so it was full on and all that ballistic stuff which may happen again but wouldn't happen under the same thing. Uh, it's quite historic and, you know, the few years that I did all that stuff with the McCormicks, you know, it could, uh, was all because of them, you know, and that you uh, when you went there you did what was required and you just got into it and did it. You know, it was amazing. sad part was after all that work doing the capes, when we got a quote to ship them out, the quote was ballistically ridiculous and the marriage goes, just throw them in the jungle. <laughs> what? You know, like all this work and work oh, and work and you go, throw them in the jungle, we don't want them. Too, too, too expensive. So yeah. I said to one guy, I knew he, you know, carried fags for currency. I go, how many smoke packets of smokes you got? He go, I've got a carton. I go, get it for me. You know? So he went and got his carton of smokes because he just used that as tips and that, yeah. all that type of stuff. So I got the murderer fella and I go, share these amongst you. Get rid of them. I didn't care what they did with them. So I just give them the carton of smokes and they probably you know, just threw them over the jungle beside the motel. I didn't care. But that was so... Seriously hard yakka to go for nothing in the end. For nothing, <laughs> just throw them away. So uh, that was pretty cool. But talk about, see, hmm? sorry, sorry, talk about when uh, there, there was one time you were coming through the bush or the jungle, I should call it, because it's a bit more than bush. And the car pulled up and everyone jumped out. And yep, I was just about to mention that. Right, one. probably the biggest thing. Because uh, you're in serious wilderness, and there was and a lead up to that too. Yeah, so hmm? there was wasn't there a lead up to that too? Was well, well, a, in the morning, some whispering around the. Yeah, in the morning we got a call at four o'clock. I just got up after a, a very short rest, and the f call was, "Don't go out." And that they they called the Tom Toms had been beating the drums had been beating. And this Margaret Mary had got a message, boom, do not go out today. Because it was all associated with the firearms. Because we had, who knows, a selection of weapons yeah. that they would seriously kill for. Absolutely. We had the big stuff, you know. And especially when you take into consideration that uh, there's another little offshoot story as well that... Uh, so if your clan, right, 
wanted to kind of attack your clan and I knew you were coming, I would stand on one side of the gully and I can see you yep. and I would wave banana leaves at you, right? And that was as simple as saying, right, because what do they wrap and cook their food up in? Banana leaves. So come really? over here, sucker, and we're going to wrap you up banana leaves and we're going to so, throw some pawpaws with you and eat you tonight. So was, that was a taunt. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You go, keep coming. Yeah, go. Yeah, bravo. I got the banana leaves, you know. Mum's got the <laughs> fire going. Ready. And we just get some sweet potatoes. The hole's dug. And we're done. And you're done, you know, and all that. So that was so, seriously real. So they said, don't go out. Who did that come from? Was that from- that came from the Margaret Mary who had organised the whole thing. Okay. So she had got info from whatever, whatever. So I kind of banged on doors, people getting up. I go, don't get up. We're going fishing today. We're doing something. You have a rest, you know. We're not going. Anyway, so that day passed and I kind of like bummed around and went to the market with Tom and all that type of stuff and you know saw incredible stuff and people and met his families and all this type of caper. Did the local guys already know? Like when you went I guess I don't know. I don't know I did. But when I was with Tom we kind of and they yeah yeah, everybody would have heard of that beetle beetle nut and uh, you chew on it and you kind of spit red Mm. right so in this little I don't know what little old four wheel drive it was so he picks me up Right, and gets his wife and his three kids to sit on the back, right? It's just a weird little old, I don't know what it was. Like, Robbo used to have one, like a weird little four-wheel little, uh, four drive. Anyway. Uh, it's so, like a Daihatsu. Yeah, like a little Daihatsu four-wheel drive. Like, yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. Anyway, so he picks me up, gets his wife on the back and that. So I'm sitting in the passenger seat. Anyway, he's yap, 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 yap. We're driving the wrong wee whack, looking at all the sights. Anyway. He goes, so he pulls the beetle nut out and he's kind of crunch, 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 crunching it, you know. Nothing's happening, you know, whatever. And then the trigger for the beetle nut to get the narcotic to work is lime. Yeah. Right, so which can be like chewing on a piece of coral or whatever. So he's got powdered lime. Right, I'd see it as clear as any. So anyway, so he pops a bit of this lime in, right, and immediately it increases his saliva by about 500-fold. <laughs> There's red stuff just pouring out of his mouth and no word of a lie, his eyes kind of went backwards and all you could see is white and then like in a cartoon they rolled forward and went <laughs> ding-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding. And he just kind of was gone. And I go, Tom, 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 stop, 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 stop. I drive, I drive, you know. So I up in and I go, well, well, well. Shouldn't get booked. Got the copper with me and <laughs> fanged off. You know, he just went boom. So that was, uh, you know, that was that was pretty cool. Anyway, so, that, so that's the day that no one went out. No one went out. Right. Yeah. You know, so we dicked around and I used his bow. I couldn't pull it back. He couldn't pull mine back. You know, and he had a, a like an arrow gun stick or whatever. There's couple, I got a photo of him shooting it. Uh, but what was cool was also too in the bay, there was guys standing on poles in the bay. Right, trying to shoot fish with their arrows. Yeah, yeah. Just standing in the water. It looked like this, you know, the Lord had come by about about five hundred of them. There's all these people just standing way out in the water on little poles. You know, that, pretty cool. That that arrow gun, I'll, I'll describe it. It's almost it's a, it was like a spear gun that you'd use underwater, but it had a like built on a stock. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It had it's, like a flintlock yeah. setup yeah. to release the tire tube yeah, to yeah. fling the yeah. bamboo spear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it was classic and. You know, obviously pretty accurate in the arrow as well. I got some from here, they're pretty long, yep. you know, and all that type of caper. So, uh, but he was fascinated with my bow and was kind of 
pushing the issue of how can you get them to me? And I thought, you know, there's a generation you wouldn't even have heard of Oliver North, right, who was tied up, I think, you know, I hope not to disrespect you, Oliver, uh, an American guy who was tied up with um, those South American companies uh, or countries, uh, you know, doing contra deals, you know, on behalf of the CIA or something like that, you know. So that uh, that's how that went. And anyway, anyway, so I thought here's an opportunity to be an arms dealer, <laughs> right, in New Guinea <laughs> and change you, the whole structure of tribal warfare where <laughs> at 60 metres you're waving... You're waving a banana at me, banana leaf. <laughs> I'll just shoot you straight in the tricks because there is probably only 15 metres yeah, yeah. where you go back, lean back on the compound and just splatter away, you know. So take a thunderhead. And I go, how would – I go, no, we won't go any further, David, because that will be bad. Yeah. It could end up bad. But there it was, you know. We're going to start important bear grizzlies or recurves <laughs> or whatever, longbows, you know. So – but what was cool with their bows, that they break a string, they would go and get a certain bit of cane and shred it and it just split this bamboo or cane and somehow, blah, 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 boom, new string, away you go. Without spoiling too much, how do they compare to the guys on the other side of the island, the Ben's back? Uh, do they have a different bow to the? No, oh the yeah, well yeah, the, the guys. I'm pretty sure Ben's back had a you know, more of a bamboo thing where the guys up there like there's one of them over there, a real hardwood, almost like a piece of jarrah. Oh yeah. How in the yeah, hell yeah. are you going to bend that? Yep. Like it's about a 150 pound drawing strain or something. Yeah, which so, is more traditional, like more like an English longbow, the one that's yeah, but straighter. <laughs> <laughs> can can be straighter. Uh, so it was a pretty amazing stuff. So getting back, so that was that day. That's that day, yeah. Right, so we go out the next morning and we're told, right, to be prepared for ugly stuff and don't hesitate to shoot. So this is the ugly stuff being the bad boys or the, the bad rascals? Boys. The bad boys. And you go, see, me, I was going mortified because you go, we're not used to maybe plugging somebody, right, at all. And so, but the Americans were excited. No shit. I absolutely trigger happy, you know, like, and instead of being inside, two of them were on the back with me. Yeah. You know, and you go, oh, these guys, you know, like it could be somebody selling a coconut. <laughs> you know, it's not going to end good. But so anyway, so we, because you've been out so much, you kind of knew kind of where you're going. And all of a sudden, like, we had passed a, Tribal guy, like from here in Jaya, with the bones, the bone plates across the chest, right? Yeah. You know, and the head band, all that type of stuff, right on the edge, nose bone, all that type of stuff. Now, the the little backstory on those guys and the headhunter fellas or the trophy hunters is that if I want to sit at, say, a prime minister's table yeah. and be – you know, the best senator, I would bring – the guy who brings the most heads sits Chief, closer. Chief's next best man. Next best man. But you, it's all about heads. So yeah. you go – so when they say the head of the department, you know, it puts it in a different context, Literal. you know. 
So I have the head of the last department right here beside <laughs> me in a bag. You know? So that's how that went. And the guy in Ben's back confirmed that totally because I told him about what we'd seen. And he yeah, goes, right. so that's, that's what he was. He was looking so he was heads. on the hunt. He was on the hunt. Yeah, exactly. So, so pretty likely that that was the personal. Absolutely. He had gone, there's a guy out there, you know, uh, uh, you know, out with his bag, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway. So we're kind of hammering along. It's all pretty good. Everybody's a little bit edgy and whatnot. And then we stop in the middle of nowhere and we should just, you know, a few k's, a couple of k's or whatever, short of a village. And everybody, all the locals on the back, decide they'll go to the toilet and have a lick. And you go, hang on. How come the four or five years have all got to have a wee at the same time. <laughs> now, I just went cold, so I just turned around. I had a shotgun, right, or a shotgun. So I turned around and just stand there going, uh, it was like, what do you do? What do you do? And thankfully, nothing happened. Now I got back on, you know, and we drove off. Yeah. But so that was pretty, pretty tense, and then we went and, you know, created havoc again and all that type of stuff and, all that type of caper. So well, it was pretty pretty incredible. Do, were the buffalo numbers not what was expected? Or, or, uh, nothing or just, ever just is on those overestimated? places. Uh, maybe they are there, maybe at the wrong time, but you try and take two or three tojos full of like probably 30 people and take people who aren't really interested in walking and looking, yeah. you'll limit yourself to X amount of success, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably three people, you know, and two people who knew where everything was would, you know, do far better. You know, it's hard to say. But so that, that was, yeah, that was that. And yeah. then pretty well, you know, the last day, that was my big day and the, uh, you know, 23 hour or whatever, and I kind of like finished for the day and I got into bed. I thought, do I have a shower, have a shower and go to bed? Or do I just get changed and lay on the bed? And that's all. I got changed, lay on the bed, and Mickey tapped the door at four o'clock, and I just sprung up, and he goes, "Oh, I didn't take long, matey. <laughs> well, I haven't been here long." So it was pretty incredible. But that last day, <clears throat> or the evening before, uh, the bad boys had got into the two aeroplanes, right? And anyway, and they had to stay there the whole time. Just yeah, they stayed there the whole okay. time. That yep. was, yeah. You know, and the pilots, they just kind of did whatever, just drink coffee and whatever, and. So they they were there and, uh, yeah, the bad boys got into the planes and tried to rat whatever they could, to try to get the batteries out and all that type of stuff. So the pilots the next morning, you know, they took them for a buzz and when they arrived back, because we were going over the Owen Stanleys, which is the big mountain range in New Guinea to go to Ben's back, they go, we think everything's okay. <laughs> we think. We hope. We hope. <laughs> so with that, but there's one other little thing there. This 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 uh, uh Norman, the weight power lifter, we'd we kinda paddle up a bit and we're walking along the beach one day and you got all this group of kids from the village. It's all following. They go, it's like a pied piper, you got all these kids, yeah. you know, and they got slingshots and they kinda got a, a rubber band around their head and a slingshot hanging down the end of the ear. All of them. <laughs> all of them. So they're all following Norm. And then I see these other kids up on a bit of a road and they're kind of, you go, oh, they're waiting to get these kids to ambush them. Yeah. So all these kids are using Norm as a tank. <laughs> so they're all right behind big giant Norm 
<laughs> the other guys wouldn't even be able to see him because yeah. this guy's a big fella, big strong man. And they're all kind of like tagging along right behind him. And Norm's thinking, it's great. And I go, they're using you as a tank, Norm. They're getting... <laughs> anyway, so that was pretty uh, pretty amazing. But what is so amazing that that guy, you know, whatever it is, 30 years later, you know, I ring him every year for his birthday except one. And we're still in touch as friends all that time. So you do meet an incredible amount yeah, of dynamic yeah, people. Yeah. So then, you know, we... Um, yeah, so uh, that was kind of like wrapped up, didn't have to bring anything, get a few souvenirs, all that type of stuff, and then it was time to head to Ben's back, which was, say, my trade-off for the gig was the hunt at Ben's back yeah. on the deer. And because uh, you go haggled of the planes, what, 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 and the guy, the American guy I'd shared a room with, he brought a bottle of vodka, I brought a bottle of scotch and we drank both of them singing stupid old songs and by the time we got to Ben's back, opened his door and he just fell out of the plane and landed <laughs> on the ground and I kind of staggered out. But it was a pretty pleasant way to you know pass the time. But it was <laughs> Get rid of the an incredible potential experience. Death in the Owen Stanley's. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, two drunk men found near Burning Blaine, yeah. So, uh, but it was incredible. And in amongst all that, you did have a uh, a compassionate thought process and understanding of those Australian soldiers, 19, who went and fought in country like yeah, that yeah. where you couldn't see a thing. Horrendous it must have been, you know, horrendous. And... Although the jungle training was done in Kanunga and nothing like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. So incredible. But it was a, uh, a powerful, powerful hunting experience. Uh, yeah, at prime, basically prime of your life where you're as fit as anything and invincible. And, you know, I got a picture of me with a buffalo head and a cape on, which Nick Joyce would never believe it was possible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get some of these photos up on, on Insta because they're pretty cool, really cool. Yeah. They are. And, and and some of those places, it's the photos of the cultural side of it, the villages, the markets, you know, different people or, or you know, because, yeah, not the photos with dead animals. It's, uh, it's, yeah, the, it's other, the other stuff, other ones yeah. that are the bonus. Wasn't yeah. there some of the masks you brought back? Because they were incredible, those wooden carved masks. Yeah. Some of them that you did get home. You can tell really old. But yeah. wasn't there a few that the customs said no? Uh, no, the customs, uh, we had stuff that had uh, Bird of Paradise heads on uh, with the feathers and right. we couldn't, yeah, they yeah, just okay. grabbed them, boom, you know. <laughs> and, but the other stuff, uh, because we, we got to, what airport was? Must have been when we were coming out of Cairns and... I remember Mick going up to the, the counter and with a, like, biggest trolley you could find and the lady called this other guy over and it's 85 kilos of stuff, <laughs> which was just stuff, all that. And anyway, Mickey being Mickey, no worries. But it goes straight through because he did a lot of flying. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. a problem, you know. <laughs> so 
stuff like that was there was more to it as there always is on a hunt. It's uh, the journey and the stuff that mm, some people see interaction with people. I can still see X amount of the faces, you know, Lucas yeah. and whatnot. And you sometimes need a little trigger to remind you of those great dynamic times, you know. Now, one of them, and even getting back to Big Norm, right, we get back to cans, you know, like after it all finished and Big Norm, you know, next morning he goes down to the gym, right. And this guy, you know, he's, he's, he's a powerful man. How tall is he? Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, he'd be yeah, six, you know, six. Oh. It's trying to give a bit of perspective. But yeah, he's six and I don't know how many pounds he would be, but he's quite a lot because he broke the world record, I think, four times in a row and got to powerlifting record at 950 pounds and he wanted to be the first person to break a 1,000 pounds. So you can't be... You know, a muscle man like myself, you've a, got to have a bit more bulk. There's a photo in the shed, just to give an idea on how giant this man is, and he's shot a lion and he's <laughs> he's holding his arm up, flexing his bicep, and the distance between the top of his bicep and the bottom of his tricep is the same as the lion's head. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 huge. huge, huge, massive, massive, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, powerful man and... Yeah, so we're still in touch and it's pretty cool, you know. Yeah. But that, that thing about people's backgrounds, what they experience, and it's like all these stories, somebody else might have told the same, a totally different story of the same trip. Yeah, the same you know? experience, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, same experience. Just different so, perspective. Uh, yeah, and I think by getting out in the, the real kind of world there, and that Tom, you know, and the villagers and his relatives, that, 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 was, that was absolutely the best, you know, so stuff. But I did write the day before we went back out after one day was cancelled, I did write a postcard home, uh, which I wrote it as my very last correspondence. And I don't know whether your mother has that or not. Do you, do you know if it made it home? I guess it did. <laughs> you know, I did. Uh, but I did write it as basically a kind of a bit of solemn uh, cheerio. What, because you didn't think you were going to come out of the jungle? I had no idea. <laughs> Looking pretty bad. Front of a shootout or shit like that. You know, like, holy moly, you know. What's, a rare what's, white man's head on a, uh, what's, on yeah, a stake what's in the jungle. Yeah, what's going down there? Oh, yeah, like I brought your head. It's not very pretty, you know. It's so, <laughs> only small. Anyway. This, so, one, yeah. this one's worth ten of them other ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, that was that was that story. Yeah, right. Pretty cool. Well, thanks for sharing. We're going to call this one here because we're going to come back with uh, the band's back chapter. Mm. All right. Thanks. No, right, it's a pleasure, and I hope uh, yeah, somebody might go. Oh, that's pretty cool. Thank you, Marl. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah.